0: Woo-hoo! Backpacking season is back! It is time to grab that gear, blow the dust off of it, get it all sorted out, and head back into the wilderness for those amazing adventures that can only come from going deep. Today, we revisit backpacking, how to do it. Episode 366, All Things Backpacking, Part 1. You're listening to the Adventure Sports Podcast, brought to you by 180 Tech. We talk with adventurers from around the globe to bring you the inspiration and motivation you need to get started in the outdoors or to keep you moving if you're already there. Now here's your host, Kurt Linville. Check out BikeParts.com for all your cycling gear. They have a wide selection of over 60,000 bike parts and accessories. Need suggestions or have a question about what fits your bike? Their knowledgeable staff will answer any questions and get you rolling as quickly as possible. If you're in the great state of Colorado, stop by their full-service bike shop, Peak Cycles in downtown Golden. That's bikeparts.com. Hey friends, Kurt here. I decided it was time to go back to some episodes that we recorded about two years ago on all things backpacking. These two episodes, part one and part two, were the most downloaded episodes ever, and that record stood for years as the show grew. So I know that this show is one that was appreciated. I thought, you know, it's timely. Time to bring it back again because the backpacking season is back to the Northern Hemisphere. Without further ado, we're going to dive into rebooting these episodes that we played over two years ago. Hope you enjoy it. Please do share these with your friends and You know, if you have someone that is interested in backpacking, maybe they just got started or maybe they want to get started, these are the shows for them. So please share these shows. Share these shows with everyone that you can think of that might benefit from it. And thank you so much for listening in to the Adventure Sports Podcast. Today does not follow the standard format. We're not going to interview just one special guest today. Instead, I've been thinking a lot about backpacking lately and wanted to do a show about all things backpacking. So this is going to be a discussion about why go backpacking, where to go backpacking, what to take backpacking, tips and tricks for making it more enjoyable and more comfortable. Lots of stories about fun things that have happened while backpacking, and uh, so if you are an experienced backpacker, perhaps you'll pick up a tip or two, and you probably have a lot to contribute. So I would encourage you to go to the comments on adventuresportspodcast.com, leave a comment there if you have some ideas that uh, need to be added the information presented in today's show, and you can leave a comment there about backpacking. For those of you who are considering trying backpacking for the first time, this is the show for you for certain. It's going to have lots of information that'll get you started and help your first backpacking trips to be a lot more enjoyable. You know, backpacking really is about getting back to the basics, and when I say that, I mean the basics of the pace of life, the basics of what you have to do every day to uh, be comfortable and to have a pleasant experience. You know, even what you can carry on your back is really limited, which means you're only going to take the essentials with you. And that's one of the beautiful things about backpacking is it pulls us away from all the noise and distractions and frustrations of the daily grind. And it makes us realize that what the essentials of living really are. And when you get life back to those essentials, magic happens. That's a really cool thing. So, we're going to talk about all of that today getting back to the basics, connecting with nature, having life experiences that you'll remember for the rest of your life, finding an alternate pace. For living, All of these things we're going to talk about, but before we do, I want to take care of a little bit of business. You know, I realize that we have a lot of new listeners to the Adventure Sports Podcast, and I want to say a special welcome to all of you. And I also thought that it might be uh, apropos to do a little tour of some of the things going on at the Adventure Sports Podcast so you can uh, get the full value out of the website and the show and, and all the things that we have going on. First thing, the Adventure Sports Podcast is brought to you by 180TAC. 180TAC is our company, and it is the company that owns the Adventure Sports Podcast. So that's why we say it is brought to you by 180TAC. 180TAC is the uh, company that Travis, my co-host, and I created. We design, manufacture, and market outdoors products. Really, it's that simple. And we do the Adventure Sports Podcast. So that's what we mean by, brought to you by 180TAC. You can always go to 180TAC.com if you would like to see some of our products there. And you can also go to the AdventureSportsPodcast.com. So AdventureSportsPodcast.com. There are a few features that might be useful for you there. So for starters, at the top of the page, there is latest episodes that will take you to the main page, which clicking on the header of the website does the same thing. That's just so you can see the most recent episodes. Then there is Find Your Sport. Under that is the Adventure Sports Podcast episode categories. And this one I wanted to mention. It's really, really cool. We take the time to index all of our shows. And this show is episode 176. So there are over 176 shows indexed for you. If you click that link, Podcast Episode Categories, then you can sort through by interest and see what kind of shows you might want. So there are shows specifically for backpacking, for motorcycling, for adventure travel, for skydiving, for water sports, for scuba diving. You name it, they're broken up there so you can go directly to the shows that you would be most interested in. But you can also find shows in areas you're curious about where you might want to learn more about a specific genre of adventure sports. So that's really really useful for new listeners who haven't heard every show. Um we have, boy, at 8 hours a day somewhere in the vicinity of 20 plus days of listening on our site there for you all free of charge and you know, I also want to talk about the mission and the vision of the adventure sports podcast a little bit. Why do we do this? Multiple reasons. One is we want to encourage people to get out there and have some fun. And that's that's really a simplified way of saying that we think there's a lot of value in doing things out in nature, doing adventurous things, learning about ourselves, connecting with nature, getting healthy and active, getting away from a lot of the, the crazy stresses and distractions and distractions of our modern day screens, work, traffic jams, all that stuff. People, it's healthy to get away, completely away from that, and do something you love. Do it with people you love. Build community, Adventure sports are wonderful for that because people with common interests are already connected. And when you get out in nature together and do things that you love to do, everyone's having a good time. And, you know, the table is just set for great community. So the Adventure Sports Podcast is about those things. The other reason... Or another reason I should say that we do the Adventure Sports Podcast is, of course, because Travis and I are building a business around it. 180 TAC is our business, like I mentioned. I had a guest the other day ask me, "Um, what are you doing with the show? Why are you doing it? And I said, well, we are monetizing the show. We have paid advertising, obviously. You hear the ads and we... Really appreciate our sponsors. They make the show possible so that we can bring wonderful guests to you where inspirational people can encourage us all to get out there, to try things, to have fun, to live a better life, to make amazing memories. And it's because of our sponsors. So a special thank you to all of our sponsors. If you would like to advertise on the Adventure Sports Podcast, you know, there's probably not a more targeted audience. For all things adventure and outdoors related, if you would like to get the word out about products that you might have or services that you might have that are related to the outdoors and to adventure sports, then we have a highly targeted, very efficient audience. The cost of advertising on our show really is quite affordable. And uh, so let us know. All right, back to the website. If you want to contact us, it's very easy to do that. All you have to do is go on the website. At the right-hand side at the bottom, there is a Contact Us button. You click the Contact Us button, it allows you to send us an email. And this is great. If you have ideas for the show, guests that you would like to uh, suggest for the show, or maybe you would like to be on the show. Maybe you have some um, constructive criticism that would help to make the show better. We are all over that. So please do contact us. Go to that button on the lower right-hand side. It's a big orange and gray button that says contact us. You can't miss it. So if you'd like to advertise with us, if you'd like to be on the show, or if you just want to tell us something that you appreciated about the show, please push push that button we don't um we don't sell email addresses obviously, right that's just ridiculous. Uh, we will put you on our email list and rarely from time to time we might send out a reminder of the recent shows or an announcement about some special event that's going on in the adventure sports podcast community. Um, but we don't overuse and abuse those emails and we don't give them away so. If uh, you would like to talk to us there, then don't hesitate. It's a safe thing to do. Also, at the bottom of every show post, that's where you can comment and have a dialogue back and forth about the shows that you listen to. So if you have some ideas or you want to say, hey, good job, guest, that was awesome, or tell some people how you were motivated by the show, then that's a perfect place to do it. Just go to the Adventure Sports Podcast and leave a comment there. Of course, you can also leave comments on iTunes, which helps us. And by subscribing to the show on iTunes or on Stitcher or even directly through our website, it helps to grow the show It helps iTunes to know how valuable the show is and, frankly, to give us a better ranking, better positions in the podcast world, and that also helps to grow the show. So um, giving us a review, ranking, commenting, subscribing, all of those things really, really help the show. So we appreciate you for taking the time to get involved and a little bit active in the Adventure Sports Podcast community You know, it's not just about growing the show. For Travis and I, that matters a lot, of course, because we're growing a business here. But for you, it's a matter of connecting with other people about doing things that you love to do. It's about being a part of a community of listeners and uh, connecting that way and, you know, the, the excitement that builds when you get to visit with people about stuff you love and the things that you can learn from each other. Also on the site, as we continue our quick tour, is the ASP Bookshelf. That's the Adventure Sports Podcast Bookshelf. It's a link in blue in the right-hand margin. If you click on that, then you will see a list of books that were written by our various guests. It's a quick and easy way to find the books that our guests talk about. And, of course, these links will take you to Amazon. If you buy a book through our site, then we get a tiny little kickback from Amazon. Not a lot, but every little bit helps. So if you're looking for some great reading, please go to the ASP bookshelf and get some books there. And last, we do have some Adventure Sports Podcast t-shirts now. So again, right hand margin, support the show, show the love. There's a link there where you can click and buy T-shirts with the Adventure Sports Podcast logo on them. Helps us to get the word out, and it's a fun shirt to wear too. So Adventure Sports Podcast T-shirts there. They're also in the ASP bookshelf, as well as some of our outdoors products and some of the products of our sponsors. So, that is adventuresportspodcast.com. Enough advertising. Please do remember that we have the Adventure Sports Podcast episode categories under Find Your Sport at the top of our site. That's really useful, especially for you new listeners who want to go back and catch some of the previous episodes. Man, the guests that have come on our show, what a blessing to have such great people who would come and share with us their passion about adventure sports and nature and getting out there and having tons of fun. It is certainly an honor to have the opportunity to meet these people and to hear their stories and then to get to share their stories with you. Now on to backpacking. That's what this show is about. Why backpack? Well, if you're driving, don't close your eyes. But if you're not driving, take a moment and imagine with me that you're waking up it's early in the morning. There's a warm glow, blue, yellow, orange, whatever color your tent is, you're nestled in your sleeping bag. The air is crispy and cool and clean. What a night you had. At first, it was really hard to go to sleep. After all, sleeping in a tent miles from the nearest road, deep in the in the mountains, it's not where you're used to sleeping. The sounds are different, the air is different, the feel of the bed is different, but it's exciting, and it's a nice change of pace. And, man, when that owl starts to hoot off in the distance, maybe you get really lucky and you hear a deer as it comes walking through camp. The sound of the stream some distance from the tent that gurgles as it splashes over the rocks. The wind as it blows through the pines. The chill of the air. It can all make for such an entertaining time that it's really hard to sleep, but... You know, you finally did drift off to sleep, but when you had to get up in the middle of the night because you had to go pee, it was hard at first. You didn't want to unzip that warm bag and unzip the tent and, and slog out into the unknown darkness. But once you got out and looked up, wow, what a host of stars, more stars than the mind can imagine. So exciting and the air so crisp made it hard to go back to bed. But eventually, you had to give up staring at the majesty of the whole thing. You had to get back into that sleeping bag to get warm, and you dozed back off into sleep. But now it's morning, and as you unzip the tent, the early morning sunlight is dancing on the peaks, and it's cool, it's crisp, and it's so quiet, at least quiet in the sense of the noises you're used to hearing. There are no cars, no horns, no neighbor's dog barking. You don't hear all of the sounds of society. Instead, it's birds chirping and it's squirrels who are scolding you for for getting up and walking around under their tree. How dare you sleep under their tree? It's the sounds of the brook as it gurgles in the wind as it whistles through the trees. It's quiet. You know what else? You don't have campground sounds. There's no boombox. There aren't a bunch of kids screaming. (laughs) You know, cars aren't starting. People aren't yelling back and forth to each other. It's not the public party with strangers that most campgrounds turn into. No, this is backpacking. You know, you walk down to that gurgling brook. And this is snowmelt water. Really cold. Really clean and pure. You dip your fingers in and you splash some on your face. It is shocking, but rejuvenating. You feel alive. Cook yourself some coffee or tea, something hot on your stove. And as you watch the sun continue to rise in the sky and you watch the birds as they fly back and forth between the trees and, and the squirrels. And uh, you just watch nature as the light shifts, and as the smells change. And you enjoy your hot drink, you make a breakfast, and then you get up and you stretch and you say, hmm, what should I do today? A few days back, we had some of uh, my kids' friends over for a a campfire night at our house. And as we were sitting around the campfire, a lot of the people there were backpackers. And uh, I said, why do you go backpacking? What's it about? And here are some of their answers. They said to connect with the wilderness. They said to go to places that can't be reached otherwise, to escape the crowds, to stay in good shape, (laughs) to find good fishing because it's peaceful, to find yourself spiritual enlightenment, to calm down, to explore different places of the world and different places of your heart. Do it because you love it and not to prove anything, to connect with nature and to get used to that natural pace, that natural rhythm of life that can only be found when you go back to nature, to your true home. I'd like to add that there are probably as many reasons to become a backpacker as there are backpackers that go backpacking. And the reason for that is that it's a personal experience. Everybody experiences backpacking in nature in their own unique way. For some people, it's overcoming challenges, I think. For some people, it's pushing their own personal envelope of uh, their comfort in nature or just wanting to learn more about nature. For other people, it's more of an athletic thing. They want to carry that pack and see how far they can get, and they want to cover the miles. There are through hikers. There are section hikers. There are day hikers. There are people that will try to cover 20, 30 miles in a day because to them that is the best way to see the scenery. And then there are others who don't even want to cover a mile a day because they like to pause and to observe and to absorb the world around them. Maybe you're a person who's a destination hiker. You just want to go for broke until you get to the place you're trying to be. And then the other people, they're more about being in the moment every moment of the day along the way as they hike. Whatever your reason is for backpacking, it is a fascinating and wonderful thing to be able to do, to carry with you your house on your back, the food you need, all the tools you need to be safe and to enjoy yourself in nature for undefined periods of time. You know, you could do it for a day, a week, weeks, months, with the right planning and the right gear and the right know-how. There's really no end. There's no limit to what you can do. Enjoying nature in all seasons, backpacking in the winter, backpacking in the summer. It really doesn't matter. It's just a matter of different gear, different knowledge base. Backpacking offers so much. And when I say backpacking, I think of the thousands of different experiences that I've had over the years. It's not like it's one thing. It's about moving life to a different location and experiencing all sorts of things. So backpacking to me is, it's just a mode to get there. It's a mode to experience. And it's its a way to uh, escape the crowds and get really, really close to nature, to go places that you can't see otherwise. And you know, scenery is a big deal to me. It really is. I uh, have mentioned to people that visit colorado from out of state colorado is known of course for the scenic beauty of the mountains and the forests and the streams and all the things that are here and i say well you know how cool that looks from the interstate well then you get on the little two-lane roads it gets even better and then you get on the four-wheel drive roads and it gets even better and then you get on the backpacking trails and it gets even better you get to go places on foot where no roads have ever been built you get to go places that are so hard to reach that that's just pristine and beautiful, and rugged. Somehow I feel more alive when I go to these places and I just soak in nature for a while. That's why I backpack. Check out bikeparts.com for all your cycling gear. They have a wide selection of over 60,000 bike parts and accessories. You can find everything you need, including tires, chains, tools, frame bags, cycling apparel, and even complete bicycles. They've got established brands like Shimano, SRAM, and Campagnolo, as well as the latest and greatest products from brands like Wolf Tooth, Physic, Zip, and Race Face. Need suggestions or have a question about what fits your bike? Their knowledgeable staff will answer any questions and get you rolling as quickly as possible. If you're in the great state of Colorado, stop by their full-service bike shop, Peak Cycles in downtown Golden. Check out bikeparts.com. As I'm sure you know from listening to the Adventure Sports Podcast, some of the safest and best snow conditions for backcountry skiing of the whole year happen in the springtime. And Bentgate has the gear you need. Come check out the latest in alpine touring, telemark, NTN, and splitboarding gear. They have brands like Black Crows, DPS, Dinafit, G3, Icelandic, K2, Technica Blizzard, Arcteryx, Mammoth, Salomon, Vole, Neversummer, Jones, and BCA. And, you do need to be safe out there, Bentgate has the latest in avalanche safety gear. They have beacons, airbags, shovels, and probes, and they're ready to help you educate yourself on snow safety. They also rent out gear, so you can get your skis and your boots there, as well as your avalanche safety equipment what's more they also have free demo ski days at local resorts so you can try out the latest gear now how much fun does that sound so swing by Bentgate in golden colorado or go to bentgate.com to find your new gear as well as to get updates on all of their events So what do you need to know to get started backpacking? Well, there's a lot to learn about backpacking, and there are all sorts of books out there that you could read, and packing lists, and guides, and places to go, and you know, it can be overwhelming, but I think the bottom line is you uh, might want to start small, do much shorter distances than you might first think you could do, just so you can enjoy it more, and then grow into bigger trips, grow into... more challenging terrain, and uh, more days on the trail and that sort of thing. But let's get down to the nitty-gritty of backpacking. And, you know, I'm going to start with the fundamentals. Personally, I believe there are two things that if you learn these two skills, then you can enjoy yourself in nature. And it all has to do with comfort. The first skill is how to stay clean in the woods. You don't have to rough it. You can still be civil. And you can go into the woods... Stay clean, stay fresh. I think that really matters. Second skill is how to poo in the woods. And I'm sorry it sounds pretty personal, but if you can learn those two things, then it opens up the world of backpacking and the wilderness to you. I've gone backpacking with people who refused to use the restroom in the woods. They would hold it for two or three days and get crankier and crankier and crankier, and, crankier and that's no way to be. If if you're headed down that road, then you're you're not going to last. I mean, obviously, Right. There are even books written on the topic, right? But just in brief, you know, your body was made to squat. And when you squat and you rest your bum on your heels and you kind of have a triangle shape there, then at first it feels a little awkward. But the reality is it's healthier than sitting on a toilet. It's quicker than sitting on a toilet. It's not that difficult. And as soon as you get the hang of it, then the woods are all yours. You should dig a cat hole away from water about six inches deep. You should do your business and then you want to mix your business with a stick and your toilet paper down in this cat hole with some dirt because the bacteria in the dirt break it down. It turns into fertilizer and it helps to keep the forest green and beautiful. Cover it up. People, don't leave your toilet paper out on the top of the ground. I I don't understand that. It makes me crazy when I see it. People, take care of your business. Be responsible, people. Dig a small hole. Bury it all up. No one will ever know you're there. And one of the tricks is you want to dig a cap. So you take a, a small plastic spade and you dig a circle. And there's there's a mat on the forest floor that's probably two inches thick. You lift that off and it makes a cap. And then once you've buried everything back and you put that cap back down again, then the forest floor looks undisturbed and uh, it works. It's very simple. And I bring that up right out of the chute because until you've learned how to do that, you really are at a disadvantage for enjoying yourself in the woods. How to stay clean. Well, it's not hard. There's almost always water in the woods. And the best thing to do is to take water away from where you're camping. Take water away from the streams. Then you can do uh, what the birds do. You just grab the water with your hands and you throw it up in the air over yourself. You splash it on your face. You get your hair wet. You can even use a biodegradable soap and soap up. And then you can use your hands and splash the water back on you again. You can pour the water over your head and get a good rinse. You know what? It's not hard to do. Again, and it seems uncomfortable and awkward. There's no shower, but that really doesn't matter. It's worth getting clean. A lot of people, they just kind of think, well, I'll take a shower when I get home. But what happens is over time, it's uncomfortable to be dirty. And as you get dirtier and dirtier and dirtier, you start wanting to leave the woods. So those two things, knowing how to poo in the woods, knowing how to stay clean in the woods, that makes it possible for you to go out into nature and to really feel like you're at home and to enjoy it long term. So kind of crazy, but those are the two most basic most important fundamentals of backpacking from there we might talk about what to take with you well you need a good backpack that's the first thing because you're going to have to carry some gear you don't have to go out and buy a 400 hundred dollar backpack however the cheaper backpacks are perfectly adequate as long as they're tough enough to hold up to the rigors of carrying a load but the problem is they're a little bit heavier and uh, so you're going to carry a little bit more weight, but that's all right. Maybe try a cheaper backpack for a while. And then as you uh, grow in the sport, you'll start to know exactly what kind of a backpack that you want. But the most important thing is it has to fit you comfortably and you have to be able to put some weight in that thing and not feel too bound up by it. you got to make sure that the waist belt fits on your waist and that the shoulder straps fit comfortably on your shoulders without rubbing your neck or the back of your neck because that can get really uncomfortable if you go chafing with, you know, hours of of hiking. So you got to make sure that that works. Most backpacks today have adjustments so that you can adjust the distance between the shoulder and the waist belt. They have nice padded shoulder straps, nice padded waist straps. You want to balance your load on your shoulders and your waist. And as the day progresses, you know, one shoulder will get tired so you can loosen the strap on that side a little and and load up the other shoulder. Or maybe you feel too much weight on your waist and maybe you want to, for a little while, put more weight on your shoulders. Try different things. The backpack is dynamic, right? You can change it as you go to shift the load and to rest different parts of your body. So first thing, backpack. How big does it need to be? Well, I like small backpacks and I like to take less into the woods. And one beautiful thing about a small backpack is you can take a smaller day pack, something really light, and you can put gear in the day pack and then strap the day pack onto the small backpack. And so it makes the size of your backpack quite a bit larger. So you could carry more gear if you needed to for a longer trip. And the bonus is that now you have a day pack. So let's say you set up camp somewhere that you want to return to for a few nights. You can still do day trips with your day pack that you brought into the woods with you. So I think that's a wonderful solution. I would rather have a small backpack and a small day pack than have one large backpack that uh, is not appropriate for the day trips you might want to be doing when you're backpacking. Okay, so you find yourself a backpack and I'm telling you you can buy a good backpack for 60, 70, 80 bucks. You can buy a great backpack for three or four hundred bucks, but you don't have to spend that money right out of the chute. What else do you need to take with you? Well, when I'm packing a backpack, I think about everything I do, During a day, I think about everything I do while I camp, and I say, do I have a way to do that? Most of the time, you don't need an item, a physical piece of equipment to do these things. Matter of fact, most of the junk that we have in our homes that we use for this, that, and the other are completely unnecessary. There are ways to take care of most jobs without carrying any piece of equipment into the woods, but you do have to carry knowledge, and that might take a little bit of experience. Maybe you want to read a couple of books, build up your bushcraft skills, their websites, videos all over the internet, where you can learn these things. But what do I take? Well, let's talk about sleeping. A good night's rest is really important when you're backpacking. Your body is is exerting itself all day long and you need to be able to sleep. So sleep systems matter. What is a sleep system? Well, usually it means you're going to have some sort of a sleeping bag. You're going to have a sleeping pad. You're going to have some sort of a tent or a tarp. You're going to have to have a way to uh, get away from the bugs. You might need something to dampen sounds. Might consider what you're going to use as a pillow, and I'm not saying carry a pillow into the woods, but you need a sleep system that works for you. You need a sleeping bag that's warm enough, but not too warm. How do you do all this stuff? Well, over the years, I've come up with my own personal sleep system. Different people like to sleep different ways. I've seen some people who just go into the woods with some sort of a blanket, and if it's warm enough, they do okay just plopping down on the ground and sleeping, but it's hard to get a good night's rest that way. I personally don't skimp that much. I take a lightweight backpack an air mattress that I can inflate, and I like to do that because it gets rid of all the the sharp pokey things that wake you up in the night, and it makes for a fairly comfortable bed. I use one that's only about half length. That way it weighs half as much, and all you really need is for, you know, your butt and your torso to have a place to rest, and uh, you'll be pretty comfortable. So I recommend something like that. A lot of people these days are sleeping in hammocks, and hammocks, I understand, are very, very comfortable. I have not backpacked with one yet, though it is on my to-do list. However, they are cold, so if it is... Chilly, then the cold air blowing underneath that hammock, your your shoulders and your and your butt cheeks are going to freeze unless you have a really good insulation layer built into the hammock. And they do make things for that. Hammocks can get as crazy and as expensive and and ornate as you could imagine, with tents built into them and all sorts of mosquito nettings and insulators and this and that and the other. Uh, make sure you do have a hammock that fits you. A hammock that's too small for a tall frame is not going to be comfortable. It's not going to work. But a hammock system, I think, can be really, really nice because of the comfort. And people that have uh, gotten used to using hammocks say they would never go back. But I still sleep on the ground. I have a sleeping bag. And usually I take a zero-degree sleeping bag, a down bag, into the woods. And the reason is because I camp at altitude and it gets fairly cold at night. Often in the summer when it's not quite cold enough for that cold of a bag, I unzip it and I use it as a blanket on top of me instead of crawling in the thing. Now your zero-degree bag is more like a 30 or a 40-degree bag, and you can be pretty comfortable, but... If you're camping somewhere that it's warmer than that, then you may want to consider taking a lighter bag, maybe a 20 degree bag. What some people like to do is to have two very light bags and on their warmer trips, they just take the one, but on a cooler trip, they take both really light bags and then they stuff them inside of each other. So they end up with something like a 10 below bag out of two 20s or a 20 and a 30. Down is the warmest per weight that you're going to find. However, when down gets wet, it does not insulate well. So if you have a down bag, you have to keep it dry. If you use synthetic insulation in your bag, then most of those do insulate fairly well once they've gotten wet. Of course, a wet sleeping bag weighs about a 1,000 pounds, so you still want to keep it dry. But uh, synthetics have that advantage. They are heavier, though, and they do not compress as much. I think a down bag is worth it, but you have to keep it dry. Sleep systems, a tent is heavy. And they make all sorts of different backpacking tents with different weights. And I don't mind backpacking with tents, but recent years, I have shifted to a lightweight tarp. I can put it up in less time than it takes to uh, put up a tent. I can put it in a variety of configurations. I can use it as a windbreak, like a lean-to. I can make an A-frame tent out of it. If you pitch it tight to the ground and close to the ground, then you can stay pretty darn dry. The one drawback to tarps is that they don't have a built-in mosquito netting. So I have a mosquito net that I carry with me that weighs, I don't know, quarter of an ounce. I put it over my head and sometimes the flies or mosquitoes make a racket. They can't get to you, but they're noisy. And so I'll take some earplugs so that I can put those in. And because a mosquito right in your ear can be so annoying when you're trying to sleep. But anyway, with that lightweight tarp, With a lightweight sleeping bag, with the mosquito netting and maybe some earplugs, I'm able to uh, sleep very, very, very nicely and with a fraction of the weight that most people take when they take all of their camping gear into woods. One other tip is if it's cool enough, then have a stocking cap with you that's long enough to pull over your eyes so if you're in the north and the sun comes up at 3 or 4 in the morning <laughs> you can cover up your eyes and continue to snooze and uh, it also makes it nice to catch that afternoon nap so anyway that's a sleep system that I use sounds pretty straightforward um, don't buy things that are heavy I'll just tell you from the get go heavy stuff can make a backpacking trip a real drag so think of innovative ways to go lighter and lighter and lighter and maybe that'll be a hammock for you now I already talked about the tarp. I prefer it over a tent. And uh, it does have the drawback of not having the built-in mosquito netting But I think that camping with tarps Can be wonderful If you're going to a place where it's Going to rain and rain and rain and rain and rain If that's very likely, then you're going to have To put your tarp in some Area where the ground is higher than the Surrounding ground, otherwise you're going to get a lot of water Under you, and uh, Same thing goes for a tent, you always Want to pitch it on a piece of ground that's Slightly above instead of slightly Below the surrounding ground, and and if you do use a tent that has a nice rain fly, they make tents that can weather some of the fiercest storms. Um, you don't need that for starting out. They are heavier, but they can be fantastic. Experiment. Find out what works for you. And if you're going with a buddy, then you can have one person carry the poles and the fly. The other person can carry the body of the tent and the stakes. That splits up the load, and that can be pretty, uh, pretty luxurious, actually. Wow, so we've only covered a few things. We've covered backpacks and the tents. We haven't talked about footwear or food or first aid or a lot of other things are left here. But I wanted to uh, talk just briefly about backpacking with kids, and we're going to continue the backpacking episode on a future podcast so that we can get the rest of the details but I just didn't want to go on and on and on and on about the various gear and stuff like that. Rather I would like for you to get to hear what backpacking is all about and you know when you backpack with children one of the things that is most important is to make sure that the trip is appropriate for their age. Remember that you know grown-ups are all about the destination and the big view and that kind of thing but kids They're generally more about experiencing the world around them, their local environment. Instead of the big macro for them, it's the micro. They may enjoy making a hideout under a bush more than hiking that extra mile so that they can see the big mountain view or the waterfall. So with kids, keep it light, keep it fun, make sure that you bring lots of fun snacks and that you have games to play and that it's not about the distance. But I have to say this, backpacking with your with your children is one of the most rewarding things that you can do. And it just builds wonderful memories that you can enjoy with your kids for years and years and years to come. And they will too. And it's a wonderful thing to introduce your kids to nature and to uh, allow them to get that experience being in the natural world. You know, kids grow up in houses. They grow up in suburbia they grow up in urban environments they grow up in schools and in cars but when kids are able to get out into nature and to experience the natural world i think it adds so much so much quality to their lives and tears spring is here and camping season is upon us visit our site at 180 techcom for your next camp stove the 180 stove and smaller 180 flame are combustible fuel stoves, which are designed to burn the fuel that nature provides you at your campsite. There's no need to lug heavy and bulky fuel canisters along with you on the trail. The 180 flame and 180 stove are built in America and have no moving parts to fail you in the field. Check them out at www180 tackcom Your purchase helps support the Adventure Sports Podcast. Hey, speaking of backpacking with kids, my son Daniel just walked in while I was recording this, and he started backpacking. Oh, shoot. He was pretty young. How old were you, Daniel, when you first backpacked?
1: Uh, I think uh, 11. 11? No, maybe 10.
0: Maybe 10. I usually wait until the kids can at least carry some of their gear. They've got to be able to carry their sleeping bag and their food, or at least their food and a change of clothes. And uh, then that was about the age that all my kids started. So, Daniel, do you remember the first backpacking trip you went on? Where'd we go?
1: Yeah, Forest Lakes.
0: And where's Forest Lakes? It's in Colorado. It's off of Rollins Pass. And uh, it was a fun trip. What What are your memories from that trip?
1: Um, hiking in and seeing beautiful waterfalls and looking out over the lake, trying to fish and not catching anything. <laughs> <laughs>
0: You know, what I remember is that there was a snow drift across the road that had never uh, melted out. And so we thought that it was going to be a really short trip where we'd hike maybe a half mile or something like that. But because of the snow drift, we had to park way down the road. It added, I don't know, a couple of miles to the trip. Something like that. So as a young kid, you and your younger brother ended up going on a bigger trip than we planned, but it was a great time. Well, since that trip where you said, you know, you saw waterfalls and lakes and that kind of stuff, you have been on several more backpacking trips. So let's see if we can remember some of them. All right. So you went to Middle Lake. Yeah. And what was that like?
1: Uh, That was one of my very favorite trips I've ever taken. I had a great time going there, enjoying the scenery and the lake and having fun fishing.
0: Yeah, Daniel loves to fish, and Middle Lake was a, a really great place to fish. One of the beautiful things about backpacking is you can go into areas that aren't visited very often, and the pressure on the fish is is really really low, so they act more naturally. And you find fish that have been allowed to to grow large. And some of these lakes are just so beautiful anyway. Even if a fish weren't biting at all, just being on the water, looking up at the peaks around you, and watching the wildlife, just amazing. So that was like seven miles in or something like that. Mm -hmm. Pretty tough hike, actually. You have to hike all the way up to Treeline and then back down into the valley, and that was a a fantastic trip. What other things do you remember about that one?
1: I remember hiking in the moonlight to try to get to a nice place to sleep because we decided we could hike more than just after dark. I enjoyed that, and then I remember going up to the highest point on our hike and looking way down in the lush green valley, and Seeing the lake down there, and it was just a very beautiful experience.
0: So what's it like to wake up uh, in the woods backpacking?
1: It's a really cool experience. A lot of times we are waking up before the sun came up over the peaks. So it was dark and then the sun would start shining ever so slightly on the places where we were. I remember fishing there right before the sun was coming up over the peaks.
0: Hmm. Isn't it fun? You know, the, the mountains to the east will shade you so that there's daylight, but you're still in the shade. But then you can see the sunlight hit the peaks to the west and then you watch that light grow as it comes down the other side and you know it's often kind of cold shivery early mm-hmm. in the mornings and you watch that sun, you know, 15 minutes it's it's closer. 15 minutes it's closer and finally the sun gets to where you are and oh, it feels so good.
1: Yeah, it does. <laughs>
0: Isn't it fun to be out there fishing early in the morning like that with the steam rising off the water, watching the fish rise, watching the birds swoop down for their morning drink and then watching the sun crawl down the mountain?
1: Yeah, it's really nice. Especially <laughs> with that water, it was just a perfect clear green color and it was just really beautiful.
0: Yeah, it's cool too. When and you can just watch the fish from yards away swim toward your fly and decide whether or not they want to try to take it when the water is so clear that you can see the whole action instead of just getting a tug on the line.
1: Yeah, you can watch the fish um, kind of go through the gravel and pick out things to eat and scoop up um, insects from the top of the water. And it's really cool to even just watch the fish feeding.
0: You know, I think we also had a ton of fun that trip because there was a fire pit already there. We were able to have a, a fire in the evening and uh, sit around the fire and swap stories and watch the stars. And it's always nice just to sit around a fire with a group of friends like that. And one of the things that I remember about you on that trip is that that was the trip where you really came into your own. You had a fairly heavy pack for a guy your size, and you were determined to be strong. And man, you got so far ahead a few times that I was having to work real hard to keep up. And I think part of that is because you knew at the end of the trail there was fishing. <laughs> <laughs> and fishing is so much fun for you. But anyway, that was a trip where you really came into your own. Now, last summer, I think the snowmass trip was probably the biggest one. What was that about?
1: Um, That was about climbing the 14er snowmass, and we hiked in about nine-ish miles to our campsite, a couple more miles to the top of the 14er, and... It was a three-day trip, and it was really hard and really fun.
0: And <laughs> This was your first 14er climb, too. Yeah. What would you tell people about climbing a 14er?
1: Uh, it's a really cool thing to do, and especially this one, it was really fun to hike up all of the snow on it, and then the top is just kind of jagged rocks going up to a peak, so it was a really cool experience.
0: How did you get off the mountain?
1: Uh, We glissaded down a lot of it.
0: Glissading. So some of you may not even know what glissading is. Um, Glissading is when you essentially sit down maybe on a tarp or even just on your pants and you slide down a steep snow slope and you got to be careful. Obviously if the season's not right you could trigger an avalanche. You could also glissade and get going so fast you can't stop and glissade off a cliff or onto a pile of rocks. Not a lot of fun but (laughs) where you have good safe solid snow it's an awesome way to get down a mountain. You just plop down and start sliding. And usually you don't go all that fast. Maybe you get up to 20 miles an hour, but it feels like 120 because the snow's flying up in your face. And sometimes it's even hard to get a breath because you open your mouth for air and it packs full of snow. And you get wet, of course, a little bit cold. But if you kick in your heels real hard, usually you'll stop and pop right up. But if you're in an area where you um, have a little bit more higher consequences for glissading, then you better have an ice axe and know how to do a self-arrest. That's where you bury your ice axe in the snow and roll over on top of it so that your body weight um, pushes it into the snow and that anchor will stop you quickly and, and will save your life. So anyway, where we were, we didn't have to worry about stopping in a hurry because the snow fields went on and on and on and on and on and leveled off at the bottom. So we knew we could just go. But how far do you think we slid?
1: Like 200 yards?
0: Yeah, per slide. But we did a lot of different slides too. yeah. We probably covered a close to a mile by the time it was all done. What do you think?
1: Uh, yeah. <laughs> <I don't know. laughs>
0: so we did a trip report for the Snowmass trip last summer, and you can find that by going to episode categories and and you can do a control F and type in Snowmass; it'll pop right up, and that's where you can hear Daniel talk quite a bit more about the details of the trip. And I also mention on there Daniel is an expert fly fisherman; he is one of the best fly fishermen that I personally know if you would like to learn more about fly fishing and you're around Colorado then I'm sure Dan wouldn't mind taking you out and showing you how to get started <laughs> last summer was also pretty cool because you and your older brother went on a trip just the two of you Caleb was headed to college and you know after being in our family living in the home for 18 years to have him going into another state where we knew we wouldn't see him every day that was kinda, kind of kind of A big deal for our family, but it was so cool because Caleb took you on a backpacking trip and you guys went into, let's see, it was the Eagle's Nest Wilderness area, right? Yeah. And where'd you go?
1: Uh, We went to Upper Slate Lake. Uh, It's a fairly long hike getting there. It's really pretty. You get to go by some creeks, and uh, the last part of the hike is really hard because it's a very steep hill, and you're just kind of hiking up pretty much a cliff to get to the lake. And then suddenly the lake is just there, and it's a nice big green lake, and it's really pretty. And above that lake... There is a chain of waterfalls that comes down, cascading down, and my brother and I hiked up there, and somehow, above the waterfalls, there's this lake that had fish in it, and It seems to me like no fish could ever get up that waterfall, but they were there, and how some of these fish just appear in lakes is kind of a mystery, but it was a really cool kind of tiny, shallow water area up there, and above that, there is a high lake up there, called South America Lake, so but we didn't know it was there, and we never visited it, so I'll have to visit the place again. And-
0: so you saw that on Google Earth or something? Yeah. <laughs> that's funny.
1: We'll have to explore that next time, too.
0: You know, the, the, the wildlife department, the fish and game people, they do stock lakes from airplanes in some places, and so maybe there's some lakes that have gotten fished that way, but the lake where you were, I doubt that's ever been stocked. And so different scientists and people have different theories on how fish get to these remote places. And one of the theories is that fish eggs could, like, get caught in the feathers with with ducks, right? And that the ducks fly up, land in the water, and then the eggs eventually hatch, and now you have fish in a lake that didn't have any before. It's a cool idea. Yeah. I wonder if that's how that happened. What was it like hiking with your brother, just the two of you, leaving Dad at home this time?
1: Uh, It felt a little bit different, but it was still really fun. I had my brother to keep me company. So
0: Well, I can say as the dad, I knew you guys would be all right because you're well-trained on on wilderness skills and what to do, but it was hard to watch you head out on your own and wonder what you're going to experience and not be a part of it. And it was sure nice when you came back home again and you got to share the pictures and the stories. So very cool. So what do you think about backpacking, Daniel? You're a young guy. You've gone on some really epic trips for your age. Do you you think backpacking is something you want to keep doing, or are you done with it?
1: <laughs> I absolutely want to continue because it's one of my favorite things to do.
0: Why backpack? Why do you like to backpack?
1: I love to enjoy nature, and I love the feeling of accomplishment after hiking a long way, and I enjoy exploring the places I go to and seeing all the different animals.
0: Yeah, it's pretty fun. Thanks, Dan. I appreciate you telling us what it's all about. So now it's Luke's turn. Luke is my youngest son, and Luke started backpacking when he was, I don't know, eight maybe? I think seven. Seven. So we wanted to share some experiences that we had going to Lake Macquarie. Luke chose this as, as his favorite backpacking story. So Lake Macquarie is near Jones Pass, which is in the front range of the Rockies, and to get there, you have to go over the top. Of, uh, boy, it's nearly 12,000 feet high, and the road is closed most summers all summer. Some summers it melts out and you can actually drive over, but most of the time you're going to be hiking over this high mountain ridge and dropping down into a deep mountain valley, and that's to get to Lake Macquarie. So it was one of Luke's first backpacking trips. Pretty darn aggressive. <laughs> and we got in over our heads a little bit, Luke, Tell us about it.
2: so it started out uh, as a great day. I was really excited, and so we were hiking over the mountain to drop down into the lake and um, we took longer than we wanted to, and it turns out at about around eight o'clock, we hadn't gotten eight o'clock p m We hadn't gotten to the lake yet, and um, we needed a place to camp because we were still on the side of the mountain. And we couldn't think of what to do. And so we thought, I bet we should probably just um, just go up on top of the mountain and camp up there. Yeah, and... let's,
0: let's tell what happened, now. this happened. So <laughs> what Luke's saying on the side of the mountain, it was super, super steep. It was so steep, you really couldn't keep your footing. There was definitely no place that you could throw a sleeping bag, right? Mm-mm. And when it got dark, it got really dark. And our flashlights just couldn't see far enough. The concern was... If we kept going down, we knew there were some cliffs, and we were afraid that it would get steeper, and then we would start sliding down the mountain, and not knowing where the cliffs were, that was a really bad thing. So that's why we decided we had to go back up, because we had to find a place where we could camp.
2: Yep, and on the way up, um, we found a scree slope, and um, going up that was not fun, and it took us... Oh, we were we finally got to the top of the mountain at I think eleven o'clock at night and uh yeah, it was really crazy, but we were all exhausted and we were just ready for a sleeping bag. So it was a great experience. <laughs>
0: you know, we got up there and the wind was howling and we're way above tree line and it was cold. It was a beautiful night. Thankfully, we had great weather. But it was very cold, and I just laid everybody down and threw a tarp over you guys. And then I used some tent stakes to anchor the tarp down. And your sleeping bags were under the tarp, of course. And that was just so the wind would kind of blow over the top of the tarp instead of on you. There's no way we could pitch a tent. The wind was too crazy up there. And uh, it didn't take long for everyone to be asleep. But I laid there awake that night. Looking at the stars, I so rarely get to sleep that high up. In, in a place with no light pollution. And the sky, unbelievable. Yeah. I couldn't believe all the stars. And people say that and, and until you've seen it. it's it, There's so many stars, it's like a cloud of stars. <laughs> it's not like you see a star or a thousand stars or ten thousand points of light. It's like a cloud of lights that are just glowing in the sky.
2: That's a good way to explain it.
0: <laughs> it was really, really beautiful. What was it like waking up there?
2: Amazing. <laughs> um, well... The view, because we were at the top of the mountain in the early morning with the sun just rising over the peaks, it was so amazing, and all the colors of the vegetation below and everything was I mean, there's not a word to describe it. It was so cool.
0: It was kind of fun, too, because before daylight, a mountain goat came by to see what we were up to.
2: Oh, yeah. I woke up in the middle of the night and just hear a bunch of sniffing right behind me. And I'm like, oh, dear, what is that? <laughs>
0: <laughs> and it was a big billy goat. And he, uh, he moved away from us by the time we got up. But we saw him off in the distance. And it's just kind of funny to have an experience like that. Yeah. And then on the way down... What happened to your backpack?
2: (laughs) Right, so on the way down, um, I was wearing my jacket, and the air had warmed up, and I was getting pretty hot. So I was taking off my jacket, but I didn't want to tie it around my waist because that always feels awkward to me. And so I was thinking, I'll just put it in my pack. And so I take my pack off and find a rock ledge, set my pack down. And um, start putting my jacket in my pack. And as soon as I zip up my pack after I put my jacket in, it just rolls down the entire mountain.
0: Entire mountain is right. It went down, what, 500, 600, 700 feet? I
2: don't know. It was all the way to the lake almost.
0: That's how steep this mountain is. Once it started going, it just kept going. Yeah. (laughs) But luckily, it was zipped. And Luke was able to get all of his stuff back and it worked out. So
2: I did burst my container of mandarin oranges though. <laughs> <laughs>
0: no mandarin oranges. And then we stayed at the lake that night and did some fishing and what was that like?
2: Really cool.
0: <laughs> it's a beautiful place. I love the wildflowers, especially in that yeah. valley. Thousands of different mm-hmm. kinds of flowers, every color of the rainbow.
1: Yeah, beautiful.
0: So what do you think it's like to spend the night in the woods as a kid?
2: Uh nothing I've ever experienced. Experience before I mean, I've done it plenty of times, but it's something. It's really something. <laughs>
0: when you say something scary, exciting, fun, different, all of them, <laughs> all of them. Well, Luke, I tell you, I sure enjoy backpacking with you. Now, mm-hmm. what do you think of backpacking? Is it something you want to keep doing? Oh yeah, I think it's fun to reminisce about our backpacking trips because. For me, that's a lot of what it's about. It's about making memories with you. Mm-hmm. And these are memories that I'm going to treasure for the rest of my life. So Yeah, me too. Right on. Well, we'll backpack some more this summer. Yeah. <laughs> well, I hope that hearing from Luke and from Dan maybe gave you a little insight into what backpacking is like for, uh, for kids and how fun it can be as a family thing. It can also be fun if you're single. I tell you what, backpacking is just opens up a whole new world of exploration and discovery. I think it's wonderful. So we are going to continue the backpacking episodes in the future, and we're going to get into more nitty and gritty about equipment and things like that, but I'm also going to make sure that there are some fun stories about backpacking in there just for entertainment, and so we can connect better about what it's all about. It's not just gear. It's about why you do it in the first place. So Thank you very much for your time today. Until the next show, as always, get out there and have some fun. Coming up on Thursday's show will be part two of all things backpacking. Looking forward to it. We'll see you Thursday.